0: Hey, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Fast Talk, your source for the science of cycling performance. Today, we have a fun one in store. We've got four people in the room. We've got Trevor Connor, we've got Ryan Kohler, and we've got Jana Martin, the producer that doesn't talk very often. But today, you might hear from her a little bit if we convince her to speak Today, we're going to talk about lessons learned in 2020, expectations for 2021. We hope this is a a fun one, but we hope you also learn something about mindset, uh, creativity, how athletes of our caliber, which range from very experienced, in Trevor's case, to very new to the sport, in Jana's case, and, and in between from Ryan and I how we think about things how we think about the sport how we think about progression how we think about challenge the two questions we're kind of wanting to answer are despite 2020 being an off year in terms of most racing riding plans as we all know it was a, it was a challenge were you still able to set goals and hit personal achievements in 2020 that you can look back on with satisfaction and what did you learn from these experiments we want to t- tackle that first. And then second, we want to take on 2021. What are your adventure race plans, goals in 2021? If you need to be hypothetical here, we understand. Ryan, I know you've got plans. We'll see if they happen. I've got plans. We'll see if they happen. Let's just say right now, we get it. <laughs> It's it's going to be another interesting year, but let's try to talk hypothetically as if all this stuff is going to happen, plan accordingly. Let's see what we can do here. It isn't just us that you're going to hear from today. We also have reached out to a lot of our contributors and other guests in recent times to get their thoughts on lessons from 2020 and looking ahead to 2021. You'll hear from Hannah Finchamp, an uh, Olympic hopeful and professional mountain biker, Jen Sharp, a coach and elite athlete herself. Dr. Seiler, Julie Young, a coach from uh, California. Dr. Stephen Chung, a physiologist from Canada. Grant Holicky, I think you probably know him by now. He's a, a coach in the Boulder area, coach of some elite cyclocross racers. Colby Pierce, who hosts Cycling and Alignment. And so you'll hear from all of us today on this episode of Fast Talk. Whatever goals you have set for 2021, Fast Talk Laboratories can help you achieve them. From science-based training advice to answers to your personal coaching questions to physiological testing or a smart nutrition plan, Fast Talk Labs can be your personal performance center. Join Fast Talk Laboratories at whatever level is right for you, listener, library, or live at fasttalklabs.com. Since I like to be the host... I'm going to ask you questions. I'm going to start with you, Trevor, because you're sitting right across from me.
1: How did I beat you last night on Swift?
0: God, here we go. You beat me because you're a January hero and you're going to be a big old March zero.
1: Oh, boy. <laughs> we'll revisit in March. Yeah, we'll revisit. <laughs> now, I I,
0: think I, I think you know how to train. You buried yourself last night because when it comes to you and I, we have a little bit of a competitive something going on and we like we bring out the best worst we bring out the competitive in each other yeah that was a lot of the
1: worst uh, I, i'm <laughs> running on one hour of sleep here because we i finished that ride at what like six thirty last night i'm like i'll go home i need some food and then i'll get some work done i went home had some food sat on my couch and just went oh my god i can't move I did nothing the rest of the evening. (laughs) This is what I I was so exhausted, I I couldn't sleep either.
0: Yeah. You work that hard. I looked over at him at one point. I had already cracked. I cracked half an hour in because rookie on Zwift, total rookie on Zwift. I didn't know what the heck I was doing. There was a lot of mistakes made. Anyways, I look over at him. He's his eyes are barely open. He's like his face is all contorted. There's sweat dripping off, dripping off of him. He looked, he looked like uh, Quado from uh, Total Recall, is what she looked like. Oh,
1: nice <laughs> reference.
0: <laughs> Anybody that doesn't know who Quado is, just Google Quado and see if the cr- crazy creature that you
1: Chris see. didn't know until I showed him Quado yesterday. So he had to use <laughs> I had to use it. <laughs> it. I had to use
0: it. All right. Let's get into this. Trevor, let's start with you since I'm already uh, warmed up on picking on you. No, let's let's get serious. 2020 was a weird, weird, weird year for you. Tell us a little bit about how you dealt with the year and what you learned.
1: Yeah, I'm probably going to have the most negatives about 2020, even though we did a whole episode saying set some goals, get something out of it. Uh, the reason being for me was I had years where I wasn't racing well. I'd really say the last year I felt I was racing well was 2014. A lot of that was because I was, re- I was coaching a team where I was racing with them and felt it was not my job as the coach to go into the races and try to win. I was there to help them. So I hadn't really been focusing on my own racing for a while, and I moved back to colorado in 2019 and said i want to get back to some racing to racing at at my best for my age and really sacrificed 2019 to say i want to be strong for 2020 i knew i needed a year to develop uh not knowing what was going to happen in 2020 so after sacrificing a year i went into 2020 going now i'm gonna race Mm -hmm. and it was the exact opposite and You we said, turn 2020 into a development year. Well, I had just done my development year. I wasn't too excited about yet another dev year. I really needed some racing in my legs. So I was struggling to find what to do, what to focus on. I ultimately just looked for a race. I thought Tobago was going to happen and just kept myself motivated to build towards that. And then about a month and a half before Tobago, the race got canceled and yeah. for those
0: who don't know, Tour of Tobago, which is early October early every October, year. Early
1: yep. October, yep. And so it was canceled late August, early September. I had a whole big training block on the plan ahead of me. I saw the announcement, and literally the next day, just at the time that I was supposed to go out training, put a movie on, grabbed some really crappy food, <laughs> and just went, yeah, my season's done. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, so
0: there were several dis- disappointments in 2020 for you. You had time to reflect on it. Did, did you learn anything from such a year?
1: Yeah, you know, Honestly, the thing that I learned was what I knew going into the year, which is interesting to see it, which is how <clears> – <throat> if you want to race at your best, how important racing is to that mm. because I did a lot of training. I did a lot of very structured training but I'm probably further away from having good race legs than I was going into last year. The reason 2019 was a a sacrifice was, I spent that year really working on building back my base fitness, building back my numbers, but knew I'm not gonna be doing a ton of racing. So when I go to the races, I'm just not gonna have that jump, I'm not gonna have that attack. Last year, when it was nothing but training, it just, there, there was no race legs. The little right. bit of race opportunity I had, I'm like, yeah, I can't do a one-minute jump to save my life. So my lesson from it is if I want to get back to some level of racing, I have to race. I have mm-hmm. to put my time in at some races. Yeah. I,
0: I don't want to pick solely on you, but I do have an, uh, a question that I think could pertain to a lot of people out there. And I, I, I don't uh, ask this question to pick on you.
1: Yes, you do. No, I don't.
0: I don't. Because, <laughs> you know where I'm going with this? No. No? Okay. You're getting to that age where maybe some people, it's kind of that lose it or use it scenario. And I don't know if I'm wrong or right with that, but is it also a matter of people that have sort of missed the racing for, in your case, it's almost a couple of years now, right? Will you ever be able to get it back or or... Because it has happened in this period of your life, you're almost 50, for those who don't know. My racing age will
1: be 50 this year. Yeah.
0: So just because I'm thinking there's probably a lot of people out there listening that are maybe in this same boat, same age groups, et cetera.
1: Will I be able to race at the level I raced at even 10 years ago when I was 40? No. No. Some of that's simply because back then I was training 20 plus hours a week. I don't have that time now. Could I achieve that same level if I had the same time to train? Yeah, my answer would be not everything, but close. Mm-hmm. There are certain things you lose with age. You, you don't really lose the endurance. You don't really sure. lose the stamina. Those were always my strengths, fortunately. I was never the sprinter. I was never the the big jump, which are the things you tend to lose with age. So I never was that good at, at what you tend to lose with age. So i probably become a little more of a tank <laughs> and probably I need to, you know, back when I was training 15 years ago, I leaned into my strengths and I had good enough a jump that it didn't cause me to lose races. I would say the difference now is I have to do some work on that side or I am gonna get popped in the races mm-hmm. or more than I used to. Right let's hear from dr steven seiler who has a few goals for 2021
2: it is definitely fair to say that 2020 was a strange year for me uh, because i'm used to traveling and so during this year i have hardly i haven't been outside of norway since march so i've trained more consistently i've trained more uh in terms of hours this year and and with good consistency my i was already kind of training indoors so that really wasn't a big change it was just maybe i had a little bit better uh, conscious for being an indoor cyclist since everybody else was in the indoors for a while too But I was using the Zwift platform, I was racing indoors, it works for my research, it works for, it's time effective and all these things. And so, and I almost never fall off the bike indoors. So that's what I was doing already, but then in 2020 I made some very specific goals. I said, hey, I want to be top 10 in these short B races, I want to figure out how to handle these you know, surgy st- stochastic kind of uh races that, that are typical for Zwift. And I did that. I got better. And a lot of one of the reasons I got better is I just started using races as uh high intensity interval sessions. So I guess I, you could say my hard sessions were very specific. And it worked. I got better and my you know, the numbers, the the typical uh power duration curve numbers improved. Um so i was successful in the b category i got promoted to a that was a bit tougher but and it is tougher but, but i could say that that 2020 i achieved the goals that i had in my little limited world uh, of indoor cycling now 2021 i'm taking a step back i kind of feel like i hit a plateau and so now i want to go back i want to extend i really want to work on this high intensity repeatability and get better at races that are more like two to four hours, uh, really push myself mentally, you know, on the indoor training circuit, as you might call it, uh, with this long stuff. And, um, And then because I'm doing some research in that area, it's always good for me to do those kinds of sessions a lot because it helps me to think about how to study them. Now, 2020 for my daughter who I coach, she, you know, she set a PB for the half marathon in March. And then right after that, it was a lockdown. It was at times good for her, but at times very tough. And, you know, doing all this solo stuff, she actually ran a solo 10,000 meter personal best on the track on a windy day, you know, which I thought was one of the most remarkable performances she had all year. But otherwise, the competition schedule was really uh, you know, unpredictable. And I think in, when she did get to race, it was almost always with a very high level performers. And so she was kind of, uh, it was, you know, it was stressful. Uh, so 2020, she had some good, came out of it, some, some tougher periods, but overall, I think she really learned a lot. She learned a lot about training. We learned a lot about, uh, how to, uh, you know, we went from the seven to nine and 10 day cycles and so forth. So, lots of experiments going on for a young athlete and now 2021 for her she's moved to oslo and she is training with a uh, a really good club one of the best in norway she's doing some new studies right now it's digital you know we're still in that in that lockdown situation right now but it's going to be a, an exciting transition i'm not going to be her coach at least not her main coach she's going to have a coach in oslo and he and I have, you know, I've transferred the baton to him, and we've had good a good discussion on that. And so she wants to train a bit more like a middle-distance athlete to improve her speed, a- improve her, you know, short game, which we hope will extend to half marathon and marathon down the road. So that's a goal for her, 2021 20, for her. You know, it's going to be uncertain just like it is for lots of athletes. We still, the competition schedule is really unclear uh so the key is is training and personal development filling gaps getting stronger and 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 that's what we'll continue to do in 2021 i know she will too um and then as far as adventure goes you know i hope i get to eventually travel again but i also want to work with the this team uno x that i that i'm connected to i would like to join them for some training camps or races and i always feel like that's a great learning opportunity for uh, a sports scientist to get down and get dirty with the realities of the training process the competition process in a high a uh, high performance environment so i think that's necessary kind of continuing education for people like me and i hope i get to do that some this year again so that's the plan for me and uh I, you know we just have to take it as it comes in 2021 but it's going to get better
0: All right. Ryan, let's jump over to you for a bit. Tell us a little bit about what 2020 was like for you. Was it as negative as Trevor's experience or maybe were you a bit more uh, creative? Did you get more out of it? What were the lessons that you learned?
3: Well, you know me, I'm usually uh, rainbows and unicorns, right? (laughs) (laughs) I've well, I mean, according to today. your your shirt
0: today, you're <laughs> yes. absolutely, it doesn't have rainbows, it doesn't have unicorns, but it has many
1: colors. It does. And you're not wearing shorts. Right. We have. Well, had he's days... wearing pants. Let's be clear. He's got clothing on. Yes. He is wearing pants. <laughs> we have had days where it's snowing outside and Ryan shows up in shorts and flip flops. And a down coat. He's that kid. He's that kid from <laughs> high school. And you're like, why is he doing this?
3: So- uh, Tell us more about 2020. (laughs) 2020. So 2020 was pretty positive overall. Good. Yeah. I think I went into it with expectations to race, and that obviously didn't happen. Uh, I think I actually got one race in, in the fall, which was nice. In the year, uh, things were fairly normal, and then they changed quickly. And I just assumed, okay, this will just be a year where we're not Doing much racing, so just find some other things to do, and then um, quickly became uh, gainfully unemployed in the spring, and then I was like, well, now. Hell, oh, I could train my face off and just like see <laughs> right. what happens. Yeah. <laughs> so we had these plans to uh you know, go back to the, the family farm in Oregon, live on this huge farm, and I was just gonna be training in Oregon all year. But then the big boy came out and said, No, you probably need to look for a job. So Are you saying that? Us hiring you destroyed your twenty twenty training plans no, oh okay. I'm saying the injury I got destroyed my part of my twenty twenty <laughs> okay. training plans i had this uh this vision of like you know training in Oregon all summer and just just it was it was awesome, yeah, but then I decided i need i needed to uh look for work, so I ended up staying here, which meant that. I was like, I don't know, six, seven weeks of, of just me and looking for work and doing that. And the family did go out to Oregon. So all of a sudden I had a seven week training camp and, uh, yeah. So I think it was, you know, and I was also coaching a junior team at the time. So usually the way it works out is, I tend to race in the spring, you know, like April, May, I'll knock out some races, then start up with the juniors, focus on them because, and it's just too hard for me to, you know, train with them, do my own training, do my own racing and focus on their stuff. So this with no races was nice because we could just focus on, Hey, let's just have fun outside, do some good training, get you guys fit. And if stuff comes up, we'll do it toward the end of that, uh, that big training block. Actually, I hit my first ever, you know, it was just over 21 hours of training in a week, you know, so that was great. That was a big positive. The one of the things I took away from it was as I was kind of building up to that and just really enjoying a lot of it. I was realizing, man, this is like, it's just a lot of time only on the bike. So that was really a good way to drive home the need for, um, cross training and, and other sort of recovery modalities during that time. So it was a really nice kind of learning experience that I wouldn't have otherwise had. That was, that was great. And then as soon as I hit that big week, I was mountain biking with the kids the week after got injured and then, uh, took multiple weeks of forced recovery. Mm. (laughs) So a lot of ups and downs, but a lot of learning experiences too.
1: All right, let's hear from Hannah Finchamp, who has a goal that's going to take her to Tokyo.
4: Yeah, I think this is a great question um, because I think a lot of athletes, um, be it amateurs or pro athletes, will say that, you know, for me, 2020 was the biggest training year I've ever had. And that's because I wasn't traveling for a lot of races. I wasn't tapering and recovering. And, you know, it was just a year to really train. Um, and, and that was certainly hard, and, and I don't necessarily want another one of those. But I think that it, it was highly beneficial, um, especially for someone like me. You know, I, I was in 2020, I was named to the Olympic long team, which means that I'm one of six women um, who we have three spots for the mountain bike women uh, in Tokyo. So of the six of us, they will take three. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm probably the underdog in that group. And so for me, I, I needed this time to really work on my weaknesses, to really improve. And so for me, this year was just that it was time to make a big step, to put in big efforts and, and big hours that I wouldn't always have the time to do when I'm traveling or racing and all of that. And so in that way, you know, in 2020, I'm on a very broad range. I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing how all of that work pays off. And very specifically, um, I'm excited to, to see what I can do in terms of trying to make that shortlist for the Olympics.
0: Yeah. I got to think that that's the big
1: thing for 2021. <laughs>
4: yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and congratulations for making that, uh, the, the list of, uh, six. That's fantastic.
4: Thank you very much.
1: Jana.
0: Speak up, Jana. <laughs> um, so Jana, tell us, tell us first how new you are to this sport that you've be quickly become obsessed with.
5: I had never really ridden a bike, of course. Who hasn't ever ridden a bike? I had ridden a little bit, very casually, mm-hmm. and was so interested in all that we were talking about in the first few months of working. And I don't know how it came up, but Chris had an extra bike laying around I have a lot of extra books laying <laughs> around. And said, here, Joe, go ride around on this. And so I just did in March. I just started riding. It worked out really well with quarantine as my social calendar evaporated and all I had to do was work and nothing. Um, so I just started riding and I just rode as much as I possibly could, and I absolutely fell in love with it. I'm from Colorado. And so I know all these suburbs and all these parts of town, but had never really spent any time in the mountains near Boulder and really found a new love for Colorado in 2020 as I love riding the bike and just getting to enjoy the nature and uh, am really appreciative of everyone's support, not just Chris, but Trevor and Ryan. I mean, everyone, Colby. Has been so encouraging, giving me great advice about what not to do as I did all of the wrong things and continue to do all of the wrong things. But no, it's been, it's been cool. I've learned a lot. It was a fun year for me, uh, as opposed to Trevor's. <laughs> disappointing
2: so, so year. Could be the, I'm,
1: the, I'm the negative one here. Yeah. <laughs> what,
0: uh, You know, if you go, if you look back on 2020, what were those things that you said, man, that was a big accomplishment from starting from zero, essentially, and hitting some goals?
5: Well, I quickly became obsessed with Strava um, (laughs) as that was introduced to me. And I saw the numbers start adding up. The elevation numbers were fun to see. um, And then, of course, the mileage was fun. And I ended up, um, you know, I had had no goals because I had no idea of what I was even gonna do so. I ended up riding over three thousand miles last year, and I was just shy of three hundred thousand feet elevation uh, How climbing shy? for the year. 290 two hundred ninety something. 290,000
0: Like not two hundred ninety feet, because if that were the no. case, I would say go for the <laughs> eleven fifty-eight ride on mid, <laughs> the night before New Year's and get it done. Okay, so you were yeah. close. That That's those close. are those are big numbers for a. a absolute novice. It was fun. And you completed the Festive 500. I did.
5: Yes. Which is I, awesome. I went to California for Ryan the holidays. Ryan didn't
0: even complete the Festive <laughs> 500. And he's been riding a bike for 47 years. <laughs> that's not true. He's not even 47. But that's great.
5: Yeah. Thank you.
0: But it yeah. You had to go to California to do it. So you went, you kind of are wimpy. I
5: didn't do it on Zwift. I'm a wimp <laughs> and I don't like riding in the cold. So yes. yeah.
1: <laughs> so let's hear some more goals and assessments of 2020 from Julie Young.
6: With this year being an off year, I actually just decided to take a breath and kind of go with the flow. Didn't really set any serious personal goals. Um, I've been racing for so many years in some form or another. Trail running, road racing, mountain biking, gravel, cyclocross, Xterra, XC skiing. It was kind of nice to take a break and just not be bound to a race schedule and, and go back to basics in some respects. And that said, I definitely miss the racing as it is, quote, my bar scene and way to gather with friends and definitely love the racing because I feel that's the best way for me to learn. My friends push me to be better in all aspects of performance. Um, But that said, it, it was relaxing just to, again, not be bound to a schedule and working on logistics to get to races and in some ways go back to basics. I've always known since national team and pro team days that I do this because I love the lifestyle, but this year really re-emphasized that to me. I love it and I loved it this year because it is that thing that I own. It's the way I can continue to challenge myself and keep learning and improving. Um, for me, training time is as much metaphysical and meditation as it is physical. Um, it definitely allows me to keep balance in my life and and I feel be better at all aspects of my life, my personal relationships and have more clarity and productivity and work. And I think this year, probably more than any year, it really emphasized to me that it gives me mental health as much as physical health. As far as adventure and race plans for 2021, I am kind of playing it by ear. Definitely hope to jump back into mountain bike racing this spring and summer. If all goes according to plan, would probably start my season at the Sea Otter Classic. It's just a super fun venue and I love camping there with friends Um, also probably focus on some some races that are in my local area around my home in Truckee like the Carson Epic it is an amazing race the organizers have thread threaded together a network of world-class trails to make the course so that's super fun and then I I probably will make a trip out to Colorado and and up to Ketchum to see friends and and probably do a race along the way. So looking forward to
0: it. Very good. Chris. Oh, me. Back to what you. about you? Yeah. How yeah. was your 2020? 2020 was well, I I I would back up even further and say that generally I'm in this transition mode. I'm not As much of a racer as I was years ago. And um, when I worked for VeloNews, there was some essentially obligation for me to do races, which I liked because it took me to some amazing places. Taiwan, Israel, all over the U.S. to these great gravel races in the last few years that are really fun events. Um, But 2020 was basically the first year where I didn't have to do anything if I didn't want to. Um, and I didn't have a plan, you know? I've been also sort of fading out of cyclocross. Um, that being in the fall, it wasn't even on my mind when, when 2020 started. Um, as I always have goals for myself, and usually there are more personal challenges, personal records that I want to set, adventurous things that I want to do. So I have this list year-round, and i just kind of roll through it when when march hit and and everything was shut down i just kind of rolled more onto that list um i think i got a little carried away i put too many personal challenges on that list i didn't really uh allow myself to commit to one full full-fledged and so you know one of the things was oh, i want to because I'm getting back into running, I want to set new PRs, beat the times that I was doing in high school, which that was 25 years ago when I was setting these times and um, I'm not that person anymore. So that was crazy, but I got I got pretty close. At the same time, I was like, oh, I should see how fast I can climb 10,000 feet. Um, and I did that once and and... I tried to go. The pacing was all wrong because I was I was also trying to like set a PR on the Magnolia climb, which is a brutal climb, while doing a ten thousand foot ride in as short a amount of time as I could. So I was all over the place with these personal challenges. It, it was fun. It kept me going. It was it was great. But I never really gave it a a solid whack. I wouldn't say. Um, so. Sure, that's a lesson learned. Don't spread yourself so thin with all these personal challenges because you'll never reach peak performance in any one of them. Um, I was pretty happy with some of the other things that I did. I'm kind of a bike commuter too, so I don't put up big miles every year, uh, but over a third of all of my total miles were riding to and from work, which I was happy with. I did some creative things like ride through five New England states on a single ride, which I thought was fun. Did the massive ride with Ben Delaney for the winter solstice. I have this thing for riding um, big events on both equinoxes and both solstices, and if there's a solar eclipse, I'd probably try to think of a good way to make a, that into a, 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 an occasion for a big ride. So I did a lot of those things. Um And yeah, I learned overall that these things are, for me at this point in my life, really as satisfying, if not more satisfying than a lot of the races that I could be doing. I've done a lot of races. Some of them I'd never need to do again. Um, I like, at this point in my life, doing things that I'm not sure I can do. I like that. I also like being not great at things and doing that. You can make the argument of what I am great at or not great at on a bike, but I'm talking about intentionally doing something on a bike. Like I bought a, tri- a trials bike this year too, a street trials bike. And I thought I'm going to suck at this. I will probably break something on my body doing this, but that's what I want, that challenge. Starting over learning what it's like to be a novice again. I think that's a really good uh, set of lessons you can learn from that experience. And so I took, the, took that opportunity in 2020 to, to do such things.
1: Next up is Dr. Stephen Chung, who has a very similar challenge to Chris.
7: Hey, Fast Talk Labs listeners. This is Dr. Stephen Chung. I'm a professor at Brock University, and just like you, 2020 certainly didn't work out for me in any way that I expected. I had plans for a big bike packing trip in Iceland for two weeks with some friends that we've been planning for over a year, so that got shot down. And after an injury-plagued year in 2019, I was planning on making my triumphant return to cyclocross also this past fall, and again, that didn't happen either. But in some ways, it was a neat kind of confirmation that I was into sport and I have been into sport for the right reason. Because even though I wasn't training for anything, and even though all of my riding was solo rides by myself, that I actually put in more time on the bike than in many years over the last 30 years. And part of it was because I wasn't traveling anywhere for conferences and missing out on two weeks or more of riding at a time. But I just found I really enjoyed being out on the bike and just pedaling by myself. So I think that was a nice confirmation that I'm into sport for the right reason. So that's something positive to carry through. For 2021, what are my plans? Again, in Ontario, we have already decided that there's not going to be any sanctioned events in terms of mass start events so that means racing is out and most likely cyclocross this fall is going to be out also and along with most club rides so it's going to be in some senses more of the same Um, how am I going to deal with it what are my goals I would love to get in a lot more bikepacking of just being by myself and or maybe with my wife and going on bikepacking trips and I've started collecting bits and pieces of equipment that's going to help me in that quest. So that's going to be one goal. That's something I haven't really explored. I'd plan to do in 2020. So I hope to get that off the ground in 21. And if it was ever possible, I would love in 2021 to do a something like the Oregon Gravel Grinder. A kind of an off-road, uh, multi-day... Gravel type event where there's some, uh, you know, group riding, some kind of participation, and kind of that vibe of being in a gravel atmosphere over multi days. So, I think most of my plans for 2021 ideally is going to focus on bikepacking, which is going to switch my training towards a lot of endurance and a lot of solo time on the bike and building that aerobic base. I hope you guys have a great year and that first off, you stay healthy and safe throughout this pandemic and that you fulfill your goals for the coming year.
0: Here at Fast Talk, we're hopeful that 2021 will be our comeback year. We've signed up for some ambitious adventures to help motivate and inspire us to make this year so much better than the last. How about you? What are your big, scary goals? What adventures have you planned for your comeback year? Tell us what you're planning. Just record a voice memo on your smartphone and email it to info at FastTalkLabs.com. We'd love to hear from you and to share your recording on a future episode of Fast Talk. You can also head over to the forum on our website. That's forums.FastTalkLabs.com to join the conversation. Let's shift gears, shall we? Let's look ahead. And again, let's say in a hypothetical sense... 2021 is going to be normal. We can say under our breath it's probably not going to be normal, but let's just pretend it's going to be normal and talk about what we want to do in this upcoming year. And also we have some announcements to make. We each have chosen an event or a race that we want to do and we're going to build towards that race and we're going to document that build up, the training, the prep, and the race itself, and and potentially the aftermath of that, along the way, and we're gonna be producing articles, videos. We haven't planned this out yet. It's a little early, but we're gonna have a bunch of interesting content that will help you learn how we're doing it and hopefully apply it to your situation. So, anybody want to go first? Well, are
1: we uh, including my re-kicking your butt on Zwift and marching <laughs> this or that? Could that sure that can be one? Okay. And we'll also put on the
0: list the times that I get so far ahead of you on climbs outside that I climb up onto cliffs in order to take your photograph. Yeah, but we're talking about
1: looking ahead, not <laughs> looking
0: behind. You don't think that's ever going to happen again, do you? All right. Let's start with Ryan. Ryan,
3: what what do you hope to accomplish in 2021? With the challenge that I've chosen, it's, I've never done anything like it. So, definitely a little bit of that novice feeling in a way. Um, well, I guess I can never say never did anything like it. I did once, but it wasn't to this degree. So, the event that I chose is the Breck Epic. The full the one. The, yeah.
0: Not the Breck Epicurious. Right. Which is the three day. You're the three choosing day. the six day.
3: Yes. It still scares me to say Good yes to you. that. Good for you. Good for you. So I did do a three day stage race in 2019 and enjoyed it. And it was really fun. Last couple of summers, I mean, I've had, you know, it would be like an Equinox, just long, you know, big ride on the mountain bike, take the single speed out, do, you know, pretty much all day long on trails. Like that's fairly normal, you know, to have a challenge like that. But this one, you know, I've ridden in um, Breck before and I'm fairly familiar with the trails and I know how hard they are. And it's higher elevation than where I was last time. And it's three more days and it's longer and there's more climbing. So,
0: but if you think about it, it's only two three day stage races, which sounds pretty say simple. It that way, right. <laughs> <laughs> pretty easy. Yeah. For those who aren't familiar with Breck Epic, it is high elevation. It is a lot of single track. It's beautiful. You probably get up over 12,000 feet on multiple occasions, not every day, but on multiple occasions over the passes. So yeah, this is a big challenge.
3: Yeah. And having experienced three-day race in the past, it didn't have that much elevation gain. The days weren't as long. And, you know, I know how I felt after those three days, like it's pretty cooked. So I think, yeah, this will be a pretty solid challenge. Have you created a, a list of other mini challenges leading
0: up to this to help you prepare for it?
3: I mean, there's only one other race, but I think I haven't put a lot of other challenges on that list, because I think for me, it's going to be more about keeping the consistency and getting the good training in because Trevor and I, whenever we ride, I mean, he's the, you know, the classic time trialist or diesel engine, and you can go forever. I'm more of, let me go out and do a a 20 minute short track race. And I'm happy with that. Or I can go blow myself up for five minutes and be happy, but to go, you know, hours and hours and day after day is completely not my jam. Plus you have a family, which is another part of the balancing
0: act here, I would assume.
3: Yeah. So yeah, two kids, yeah, family. um, It's a lot. So I think for me, what makes me feel most comfortable getting ready for this is to focus on, get even more structure in. Focusing on something this long is going to require a a high focus on the training. So, you know, in other years, if I'm doing like a, a single day mountain bike race or like short track, I don't need to be as you know it's good about maybe my base work. You know, I can mess up a little bit here and there or have a little bit less structure in and not think about it because I'm focused on family things. But I think this year it's going to require more of that consistency. So that's already started and and it it feels good to be able to do that. So I think just you know with the amount of bandwidth left over after thinking about this, then I, th- I think this is good. And it's August. It's August, yeah.
1: Let's hear from Jen Sharp, who's going to tell us about her 2020 and her goals for 2021.
8: Yeah, 2020 became a year of, like, just a pivot, a pivot year, I would say. Um, And I found that not only as an athlete, you were all of a sudden, the rug was pulled out from underneath you, but also as a coach, like, wait, all of the goals just went out the window. And so it became a, a period of reframing and pivoting toward, okay, well, all of those outcome goals are no longer there. So how can we shift this to a process-oriented year where we look at the little things, you know, addressing, addressing the little injuries that we may not have had the time to do before, the mental component. I mean, there, there are so many actual positives that came out of 2020 personally. And I find that all of the athletes that I've worked with have huge gains that I'm excited to see what they apply to 21 if it happens in 21. <laughs> yeah,
0: so let's <laughs> let's let's turn our attention to 2021. In a hypothetical post-COVID world, what are you most looking forward to in 2021? Events, adventures, challenges. What what's on the what's what's percolating?
8: Yeah, one of my favorite series is the Tour of America's Dairyland, in that it's almost like a it's like a it's, it's a bike circus or bike camp, <laughs> and I'm really looking forward to not only racing there but also connecting with the community because you see so many different friends and it, from all over the country that come and convene into Wisconsin and eat cheese together, <laughs> and yeah, I mean it, the. The hardest part I would say about this year has been not having that face-to-face interaction with your friends and your community. And it's been distanced and sure we're still there and sure we're doing Zoom and, and you know, connecting in that way, but there's just something about feeling someone's energy next to you that you just don't get through online connections. So,
0: All right. Jana, what uh, do you want to give the reveal of what you've chosen first, and talk about how you know what else you might have put on the calendar to prepare for it, or what what we can help you with to prepare for it? I
5: need lots of help. <laughs> <laughs> first of all, I've already made a mistake. Um, I think that's going to be the story of this year for me is all the newbie mistakes I get to make and learn from. I did not register for the race that I actually wanted to do in time Oh, that and is a mistake. Yeah, the, yeah.
0: And it was because it was a gravel race and they're very popular, correct? Which,
5: which I now know.
0: Yes. So, <laughs> so you've picked one in, in its place.
5: Yes. So I am going to do the Role Massif Crooked Gravel Race in Winter Park on July 24th. There are two distances and as a newbie I chose the easier 65 mile version.
0: There
1: which is, is not easy.
5: <laughs> there is a 93 mile version which I contemplated for half a second. Um, I think I talked you
0: out of it when I said <laughs> That's all above 8,000 feet. 65 miles will feel like 90 miles. The 93-mile version would feel like 130 miles. So you're not wimping out by any means by choosing the 65. And
5: I have a teeny tiny taste of riding. I did one ride from Vale to Copper and back last year. So at at a high elevation, and it was very difficult. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. I also have yet to do a century ride. Mm. So I was hesitant to do an almost 100-mile race when actually one of my goals for this year is to do a sentry ride.
0: Nice. Yeah. Do you want to do that by yourself or do you want to do it in a, you know, like an event? Yes. Or All both, of the above. Both.
5: Yes.
1: Both then.
0: Yes.
5: Cool. Yes, that's the plan. If anybody wants to do a sentry ride.
0: Well, one of, I'll get to it, but yeah, <laughs> I might I might take you out on one. Or you can take me out on one or we can go together. Let's do it. Yeah, sweet. Any any other sort of goals that you I, have?
5: I, I have some other goals and we'll just see how the year pans out in terms of travel and the amount of time these sure. things take to do. And so these things might not happen this year, but eventually I would like to do, ride the entire California coastline. I think that California is awesome, and I love the ocean, and I have family there, so I can see putting together some fun rides out there. And I also want to ride and not walk the Camino del Santiago Mm, in Spain, which is a common pilgrimage in the Catholic Church, but many people like to just go and walk that route, And as I research for this podcast, there are many different routes coming from many different locations. So um, I will fine-tune that plan as I actually make plans. I don't think we're even allowed to go to Europe at this point. (laughs) Right, right. It's (laughs) a little tougher. (laughs) Yeah, yeah.
9: So, yeah.
1: Great. All right. Next up with their goals is Grant Holicky.
9: Yeah. 2020, huh? What a year. I think I was pretty fortunate. I feel like I was able to walk out of 2020 as a better athlete. I don't know if I'm a faster athlete and I don't know if that's my goal anymore at 47, <laughs> but I definitely feel like I, I gained some things. I, I, I really gained a better appreciation of schedule and how important a schedule is. Uh whether a daily one or a monthly one, just having that something to follow and and knowing what's coming up and I think that this year made it hard to know what was coming up or or know what to have that external thing that we're training for in a race or um or an adventure or something along those lines so i I think I did a good job of understanding and and finding a way to create. That schedule and create those targets and create that that flow in a in a training plan that wasn't there naturally because of racing. The other thing, I I, I just started to find the joy on the bike again. Um, I started finding real love of doing workouts just for the sake of a workout, of pushing myself and seeing how far I could go and how hard I can go and. I, I just love the feeling of being wrecked. I, I love, I think that's the former swimmer in me, that feeling of uh, being at the dinner table and just trashed. And I, I really enjoy it. And um, I, I found myself telling myself what I tell my athletes is you've got to find that dog with the head out the window feeling in a workout. You know, the tongue's wagging, the, the ears are flapping in the wind, and it's just this giant smile. So if you can find that while you're going full gas, then you found something special. And and I think I was able to find that in a lot of workouts this year, and and that was really nice. The other thing we did is we did a we we created some of our own markers. We we did some big big charity rides. The first one I did 200k on Zwift, and then recently did. A, a ride similar to what Chris did when rode all the hours of daylight on the solstice. And so creating something like that, that was more about an achievement. It was more about completion, gave me something to work towards and gave me something to train. And that was really especially true. I think in December here, uh, once Cross shut down, um, and it gave me, gave me something to look forward to for a month. And it was just just scary enough that I had to focus on it. You know, in 2021, honestly, the biggest thing I'm looking forward to getting back to is interacting with athletes and interacting with the people I race with. Um I have some great relationships with people across the country that I really love uh racing with. Um, some of the my fellow coaches at Forever Endurance, like Chris McGovern, just having the chance to uh, interact with him and and interact with those people that I race with and learn from them and and just enjoy myself. and and that's that's really the biggest thing I'm looking forward to in 2021 is that face to face contact, that that ability to look into an athlete's eyes, put your arm around them when it's a terrible day and high five them when it's a great day. and uh, and just the people that I race with across the country, that I haven't had a chance to see um, and, and get that opportunity to go bang heads with a Paul Bonds again. And like I said, get a, an opportunity to break down a race post-mortem with, with someone like Chris McGovern. And that's, that's really what the highlight is going to be for me in 2021. And that's what I'm looking forward to.
0: When it comes to picking things you're not sure you can do uh, that's where I went with my challenge this year i'm I am evolving as a cyclist, so I've chosen to do a bike packing race uh it's twenty five hundred kilometers it is in Ireland. We'll see if it happens, but hypothetically, I will be doing this in june uh you know the People that take these things super seriously will be completing this in four – less than five days. So a huge amount of riding. Um, People that have listened to the show before, uh, specifically the bikepacking randonneuring episode that we did, will will be familiar with this race because Matt Roy, our guest, um, one of our guests, has done this and he won it as part of a team. And they slept in – Airbnbs and bed and breakfasts every night um, and still won as the team, uh, and they did it in seven days. But if you average it out, they're still riding well over 150 miles a day to be able to do it in seven days. So this is a massive difference from racing cyclocross, which is kind of what my bread and butter was just a couple of years ago and for a decade before that. Um, To prepare for this – I just need to ride a lot. Um, I need to be strategic, of course, but I do need to ride probably significantly more than I normally do in January, February, March, April, May, and <laughs> and then we'll see what June holds. Um, Which you to, mean is more than just commuting to work. More than just commuting to work. And so to that end, I've kind of put some things on the, on the list of goals to encourage me to ride. I, I like to... Keep streaks alive, if you will. So, one of the things I thought might help with that is I want to ride a century, at least a century, and at least one in every month of 2020. 100 miles, January, February, March, April, all the way through. I will definitely do it in June if I do this event. Um, I did one in November and I did one in December already. I did the 150 in December, so, so I'm already on a bit of a streak. I need to fit one in January here. Um, I have this crazy idea to ride from my house to the Kansas border uh, on gravel roads, which is approximately 205, 10 miles, sleep in my bivy on the border because That would be cool with half my body in Colorado, and I'll probably put my head in Colorado and my feet in Kansas, but we'll see. Or maybe I'll put my left side in Kansas. Sorry and my to right any si- of our
1: Kansas <laughs> listeners out there, <laughs> yeah.
0: Sorry, I mean, I Colorado's home, so um, and then ride back the next day. So, yeah, sure. Alex Howes and Spencer rode from. Alex's house to Kansas in a day. But did they sleep on the border? No. Did they ride back the next day? No. Do you can I, know can I why actually? Nobody
1: rides back?
0: Because <laughs> of the wind and the elevation Station. change. Oh, I right know. In
1: there is a tailwind all downhill. We'll
0: see. We'll see. This is one of those things. We'll see if I do it. <laughs> but it's on the list. Um, it would also be nice to ride my longest ride ever. And of course, currently, that, since I've done the race formerly known as dk200 now unbound i've done that a couple times the course is always different i did it, it was 205 miles one year so if i do this ride to kansas and i don't sleep there i'll probably just ride around in circles on the border or whatever to get that longest ride um i also have some running goals i want to run a there's a there's a tr- set of trails up through the indian peaks wilderness area just outside of boulder beautiful area. And you can string some trails together to get a marathon on trails. And I've done some pretty long trail runs up there recent, uh, not recently, but last fall. And um, I really have loved it. So I want to do that too. So all of these sorts of things are geared towards making me a more durable endurance creature so I can go to Ireland and survive and be a completer rather than a competer. I should probably mention the name of the race. It's the Transatlantic Way.
1: Glad you said what you learned in 2020 was not to have too many goals on the list. <laughs> oh, there's so many more, Trevor. I, I'm looking at the list right now. You just gave the highlights.
0: <laughs> I just gave the highlights. Actually, one that you and I, I think, should do together is this vertical hour. We worked together. we so beat you again? Whatever. We did, <laughs> we did the hour record together. I. You coached me. I suffered my ass off on the track for 60 minutes. Um, It'd be cool. This is a thing that people do. Not too often. Joe Dombrowski really wanted to do this back in the days when the hour record was hot. The vertical hour record. record. See how many vertical feet you can climb in 60 minutes. Now, do you do that on one climb or do you pick a really steep segment and do it a good question. As many times, that's this, the this experiment. We do this. So I think that would be another cool just experiment, and and uh, obviously you're riding hard, but it's also kind of a, a a a logistics challenge. What's the best segment? How do you stay as low as possible in Colorado so that if you do that sixty minute climb, you're going to end up pretty high, and that's going to affect you. So maybe it's maybe it's better to pick a segment down low that you can just do massive re- massive number of repeats on. So
1: I bet would be on the one one climb. There's some good climbs we can do here where you get a lot of vertical and it would take you an hour. Yeah. Plus.
0: Yep, so that's put it on our list. Okay. Trevor, let's do it. Let's do it. What else have you got for 2021, Trevor?
1: I have not as many goals as Chris. Wimp. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> Smart, well, smarty pants. I've already accomplished one in 2021. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. <laughs> We've
0: heard all about it. If it were an actual bike ride and not just a pedaling contest inside a room, then maybe it would be a, a thing that I would care about. Oh, but s-
1: Oh, the excuses. <laughs> excuses start coming out.
0: <laughs> and if that makes anybody who's a Swift fan out there mad, meh, I don't care. <laughs>
1: Making friends and taking names everywhere he goes.
0: <laughs> Try a bike packing race through the windy,
1: the sideways wind of the Ir- yeah. Western Ireland coast. You're going to be on the bikepacking ride with people insulting backpacking <laughs> bike packing rides. Probably. Why do idiots do these Probably. <laughs> yep. Let's hear from Colby Pierce and his goal for 2021, which is here in Colorado.
10: Looking back at 2020, my athletic accomplishments, you know, I was really focused on sweeping my own doorstep. I I studied Tai Chi in 2020 and completed my Tai Chi program, which amounted to a YouTube video where I studied the 37 postures in the Chen Ming Qing Tai Chi style. And that was pretty rewarding. It took me several months to make it through that. It's really complicated. Now I've got the flow down and I can practice that regularly. I also... Studied further with the Czech Institute, including i m s three which is integrated movement specialist three and that's more on the coaching side of things, but it also plays into my own movement practice because every time I do more check training, I integrate more movements into my athletes' programs, but prior to doing that, I learn them myself so this is things like core assessments and range of motion ass- assessments. And that helps me become a better coach and learn more about my own self and then pass that on to my athletes. Um, Strength and conditioning techniques and different exercises, programming rules, things of that nature. As far as my general athletic practice, I was really trying to sweep my own doorstep. Uh, Looked after some strength, made some progress in my running. Um, For me, running has been something that I haven't been able to do real consistently without risk of injury. Maybe the last six years or so, I've been running in the falls and in the winters to complement cyclocross when I was actually kind of trying at cyclocross. And I got to the point where I could run on trails for about 45 minutes or an hour. And most of the time I was kind of wrecked afterwards. And sometimes I'd have some injuries kind of flare up. Now I'm to the point where I can run in Vibram Five Fingers on really technical rocky trail for an hour and a half and I'm good. And that's about as long as I need to run for. I don't, I'm not out to do some mega run program, but I want to be functional enough to the, to the point where I could do that and enjoy it. And now I can, I can do that and be injury free. So the focus is to get a little bit faster. So that's something I might actually continue through the summer a little more regularly for this coming season, a fair bit. And then I've just been riding my bike to enjoy it and strength, fair amount of strength training Been studying Mike Salemi's kettlebell programs quite a bit and doing some of his workouts. And he's an excellent instructor in my experience Very well, well balanced, brings a lot to the table in terms of being mindful of your total practice breath during your strength training technique of the kettlebell swing and of the snatch and the clean. And he offers a lot of little tips on how to not crush your wrist when you do a a snatch, for example. And so I've been working on refining my technique based on Mike's teachings. So I'm grateful for his work that he does there. I also got to test ride some cool truck bikes that are prototypes that I can't tell you about because I'd have to assassinate you, but got to test ride some really fun things. So there's that definitely more gravel, more off-road, more alternative mode of transportation type of things, meaning not road as much. My road bike is really sad right now. It looks at me from the corner of my garage and a little tear comes out of its little carbon eyeball because it's neglected and dusty. I'm sorry, road bike. I still love you and I will ride you again. Come this spring. Looking forward to getting back on the road bike with very carefully selected routes this spring. 2021. Right now on my radar is the Growler, which is a big famous mountain bike here in Gunnison, Colorado, which I've never done. Gonna go do that with my good friend Don Powell. Been talking with a couple athletes about doing some crazy adventure races in other countries. Not sure if that's gonna happen. Probably not the year to plan it, but I am planning to ride the colorado trail with travis brown in june that's the tentative goal right now and that's going to be a through mountain biking experience full-on grizzly bears and beards and all of it eating wildflowers so that's the plan that's my 2021 goal if something like Steamboat gravel opens up. Maybe that would be something I'd be interested in, or possibly you know, there's some good winter park gravel races and things like that. Lesser known Colorado gravel races that'll still be big enough for me, and things that I can just go out and smash some watts and have some fun, but not take it too seriously. Just go enjoy it and be more of an experience based kind of thing. I've, I think, I've proven all my competitive niggles at least for the short term, focusing on bigger things and also. After being in the sport for 35 years, when you sign up for a bike race, it's really easy for me to back calculate 10 months out and start to treat every day like it's preparation for competition because I've been doing it for so long. And I understand the ramifications of every night of sleep, every dietary choice, every equipment nuance. It's a bit, I'll say South node to use an astrological term for me to get too involved into a bike race. I have to really constantly bring myself to a place of balance. Uh, Cause I don't want to foster that part of my personality anymore. Or as Jonas Carney recently said to me in a conversation, that's a part of my personality. I'd like to assassinate. I'm working to evolve and step away from that addiction to that competitive cycle uh, that has served me enough. I really enjoyed it. I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I'm not saying that anyone who's in, in that cycle of their competitive career, that warrior phase, as Paul check would say, is doing anything wrong. You're doing exactly what you're supposed to be doing every given day. We're all here to learn our lessons. I'm ready to, to move into a different direction.
1: I'll say it that way. So I have one goal, but it's a big goal. This is the year where I get the big 5.0 on my race license. So I am racing as a 50 year old. Uh, now it seems kind of hysterical to me, but when I was 35, people were telling me I was coming to the end of my career and too old and all that sort of stuff. And I look back at that and I'm like, I was just a baby. What are you talking about? But I'm sure a lot of our listeners can empathize with this that uh, there is a bit of a bias that certainly, you know, once you're over 40, it's over. By the time you're 50, it's wow, you can still ride a bike? Mm-hmm. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, which I just don't subscribe to, uh, don't believe that. So the thing I want to do, uh, to start out my fifties is to go and do either a pro one or a cat one, two, uh, one of the race, one of the bigger ones in the country and, and prove I can still be competitive. Mm-hmm. So I haven't, uh, I haven't picked the event just because we're waiting to see what's going to happen. Sure. Uh, right now, I'm thinking either Joe Martin or Tour of the Gila. Yeah, Tour of the Gila is
0: oddly not in its normal yeah. early May slot. It's tentatively scheduled for September, I think, or right. something. So my so one we'll issue see. is we'll it see. might
1: overlap with Tobago. Right. Otherwise, I would definitely do that. Uh, we'll see if I do the Pro 1 or the 1-2. The factor is to do the Pro 1, you have to be on a team. Sure. I've done this many times before. I could find a team willing to take me. But to be honest with you, this is about seeing how well I can perform. If I go guest drive with a team, I'm going to be fetching water bottles. Yeah, right. And I I want to go to compete. So if it's a choice between being on a pro one team but fetching water bottles or doing the one-two race but being able to compete, I would probably do the one-two race. So my whole focus is going to be on building back the form that I need to hopefully be competitive. And I don't know if we want to talk about this now, but it would probably be surprising to people what I feel are going to be the biggest issues to work on versus... Yeah, I think
0: I think so. I mean, this is going to be t- teased out in much more detail in some of the other articles and content that we put together, workshops, et cetera. But yeah, if you want to give us a, just a, a snippet of what that will look like.
1: So the short version is... Uh, we've talked about this on the show, it's not focusing on that FTP. That, you know, certainly I'm not going to have the threshold power I had 10, 15 years ago, but you'd actually be surprised how close I can get. And, you know, as I said, I wasn't really racing that hard. I wasn't that strong starting about 2015 through 2019, even then, I was getting my threshold power at certain points up, you know, thirty watts off of what I, I used to be able to do at my best. So, you know, not not that far off. Thirty watts is about a level, so good enough to be competitive. Probably not good enough to to win. Mm-hmm. I went to Cascades, which is uh, used to be a really big stage race in the U.S. in 2017 wanted to go and do a big race again. And power was good. I mean, I had raced a couple uh, Cat 1-2 races, one stage race down in Syracuse, building up to it. And, for example, the Syracuse stage race had a, a hill climb race. So it was just a very short race, but you still raced as a field. And I was leading the whole field halfway up that, to the halfway point uh, of that climb. Then a couple of people went around me, but I think I finished like third or fourth. So I was like, okay, threshold power is good. I got to Cascades, started with a road race that was 110, 120 miles, and I got popped 30 minutes in. Mm-hmm. And the issue wasn't the power. The issue was the, the ferocity of the race. Mm-hmm. It was, there was a, about a 15 minute climb, 30, 40 minutes into the race, and guys were just going all out. Everybody was fighting for the front, getting ready for that climb. And where I used to be really good at riding at the front of the field, I could never get myself past the top 40. And where I used to know how to slot into the spots and and keep myself protected and not waste a ton of energy, I was killing myself. I was killing myself and constantly ending up at the back of the field. So by the time we got to that climb, I was already Mm half-smoked. And... Probably up that fifteen minute climb averaged forty watts less than I did up the twenty-five minute climb in Syracuse. I bet this is the,
0: you know, the 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 hope here is that our experiences can inform right. other people's experiences. And I bet that that is an issue that a lot of people deal with is they um think that their problem is the five minute power or whatever, but really it's the what comes before that that taps into that energy system that they think they need, and then they don't have it when they need it, sort of, if that makes
1: sense. There's a lot more to racing than just those numbers. And and that's what I saw. So I'm not worried about getting my threshold power to where I need to get it to. I think I'll be able to do that. Um, I am really worried about those other sides, that ability to navigate the field. It is scary. It is scary. And you know, everybody, the first time they get into a pro race, it's just, oh, my God, I never thought it could be like this. And you just learn. I don't know if you just learn to be really dumb and ignore it or <laughs> you just build confidence or what it is. But there was for most of my career, it's, I didn't mind bumping shoulders. I knew how to navigate the field. I could read the field. I knew how to be where I needed to be. And I just didn't have that when I went to Cascades in 2017. I was getting bumped around, I was getting yelled at, I was ending up at the back of the field. And that, that as I was talking about before, that jump, that ability to respond, um, the, that one minute effort, the short efforts, those I see as being my biggest issues for the being able to compete in one of these events. So I will do some work this winter on on trying to get my endurance back, trying to get the threshold power back. But really a lot of my focus is going to be, and we'll see if I'm able to do this, getting a lot of racing in the legs sure, to get used to riding in a field again, to get used to navigating a field, to get that fear out of the system. Um, All these other things that just don't show up in the numbers at all, that's going to be my make or break.
0: The four of us have chosen pretty distinct, pretty difficult challenges, but I think we can all start riding together more and uh, progressing together more and keeping each other motivated.
5: It's going to be fun.
1: I am looking forward to this.
3: Awesome. I like it. I'm going to need some of your centuries every month here to uh, help I'm going to need some company if I yeah. actually... Just what we're, so we're going to
1: do like a whole team, little Fast Talk Labs. i yes. will go out and do a century together.
0: We should yes. probably plan on that, yeah. yeah. And uh, Dave can... Um, well, Dave will probably just sit here and work while we do that.
3: Somebody needs good. to keep the lights on, right? Are we going
1: to wait for Chris at the top of the climbs? Or just
3: <laughs> I won't be at the top of the climbs with you. Fair <laughs> so right. you, you get to decide. <laughs> That was another episode
0: of Fast Talk. Subscribe to Fast Talk wherever you prefer to find your favorite podcasts. And be sure to leave us a rating and a review. The thoughts and opinions expressed on Fast Talk are those of the individual. As always, we love your feedback. Join the conversation at forums.fasttalklabs.com to discuss each and every episode, and particularly the challenges that Ryan, Trevor, Jana, and I have taken on. We will be available to answer any questions about how much we're suffering through our training and preparation and so much more. Become a member of Fast Talk Laboratories at fasttalklabs.com join and become a part of our education and coaching community. For Hannah Finchamp, Jen Sharp, Coley Pierce, Julie Young, Grant Holicky, Stephen Chung, Dr. Stephen Seiler, Trevor Connor, Ryan Kohler, Jana Martin, I'm Chris Case. Thanks for listening.